Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. This episode was quite fun and terrifying to curate. I hope you enjoy these spooky tales, I know I did, which means I slept with the light on, as one does. Okay, ready to get spooked? Haunted objects have long been a fascination of mine. There are reasons why I sage objects I buy whenever I go antique shopping. Flying Chicken Story will give you all the caution you need to be careful with what you buy. Growing up, I've always been interested in history, more specifically, World War II history. As I got older, I began buying and collecting helmets from the war. It's a very expensive hobby, but well worth it. A while back, I purchased a helmet that was an original German army helmet from the Second World War. Nothing seemed different or out of the ordinary until one night. I was in my house and in my bedroom on the upstairs area watching TV. Out of nowhere, I heard four extremely loud bangs coming from my basement area. They sounded exactly like a hammer nailing a nail in a wall. The only people home at the time were me and my older brother. My dad was working his late shift, he's a police officer. I went outside my room and opened my brother's door and he was asleep with earbuds in. Keep in mind this was around 12.30am. I went back into the room and continued to watch TV, and then around 1.15am, I heard three more loud bangs that sounded just like the first set of four. I decided to go downstairs, turning on all the lights in the process. When I reached my living room, I saw my dog Jake standing at the entrance of my basement door looking straight down the stairs, where it was pitch black. He was growling, and the hair on his neck was standing up. I turned on the basement light and started walking down the steps trying to get Jake to follow me, but he just wouldn't. At this point, he was acting more nervous than aggressive. I made it to my basement and started looking around and found nothing out of the ordinary. I went back upstairs to my room, where I called my dad to tell him what happened, but he didn't answer. As I hung up the phone, I felt a burning on my right calf area. I took off my pants and found what looked like three scratch marks. All this happened about four days after I got that helmet, which at that time I kept in my basement. Since then, I've moved out into my own apartment and still have that helmet. Nothing else has happened yet. I just wanted to share this. I'm glad nothing else is wrong with you or with the helmet, and in the words of one of my favorite podcasts, when in doubt sage it out. Sarah Can't Function brings us yet another story of a Ouija board experience gone awry. My grandpa died in my senior year in 2012, and my grandma went into a spiral after losing the love of her life and suffered a hard and fast tumble into dementia. I often feel that I wanted to communicate to him, to hear his jokes once more, 
to hear him say, Salute, every time he poured us a glass of Coca-Cola. I stupidly bought a Ouija board at a garage sale. My first red flag? The people were practically throwing it into my car. Their kids were freaking out and told me to just take it. I paid them for it because I felt bad. The whole day, if I just brought it up to my mom, dozens of people around me would just tell me their stories and how I should avoid it. One woman was with her son and they said how the siblings used it one night in their old house and a bunch of names were being spelled out. Come to find out, the names were previous owners who were murdered. My stupid ass found this completely fascinating. This could actually work, but what happened to me, I haven't heard of before. But if it's happened to you, please tell me, because it's been scaring me and I feel like I'm going crazy. I used it that night, by myself, and I didn't say goodbye. I honestly never really believed this stuff, but maybe a little, which is why I was willing to give it a shot. I asked the typical, is anyone there? Do you come in peace? You know, all that jazz. I asked for my papa and nothing. I got a bit upset and said something like, well, fuck this shit. And I swear that something pulled me, pulled me back and I lost my mind and I threw it across the room and ran. My fiance and his mom got rid of it. I just wanted to be able to hear him talk back or confirmation that he's listening. My night terrors get worse and I feel like there's always something behind or above me when I talk about it, even now. My cats will sometimes put themselves in the corners of my room and stare up at the ceiling with their mouths open and it's scary. Then they run back to me. We had a family friend stay to watch my grandma while me and my mom took a few days of vacation. We only get three days away a year and she stayed the night in my mom's room. My mom has always said at night after she moved into the room that used to be my grandpa's, she heard footsteps walk up to her door. She thought my grandma got out of bed, but no one was there. Our friend said she saw a woman staring at her in the hallway. I haven't seen anything, but I, I hope I don't. Or I hope it won't be scary. Because I'm really scared, you guys. The good news is that Sarah Can't Function recently took some advice to have her home blessed. She's reported that nothing has happened since she wrote in, but her night terrors haven't ceased. I think a few more cleansings will hopefully help with that. This next story comes from Innocence Unknown, who wrote in about some very odd and varied experiences he's had in his life. I'm going to start sharing some experience I've had throughout my life, as I've had a decent amount that I rarely talk about with, well, most people. I don't often discuss these things because it's usually met with, that's BS, or dude, that's just cheesy and sounds made up, and just typically try to come off as a professional and a mature person. Since this is a show of like-minded people, I suppose I can expect a little less judgment than usual. Mainly, I just want to put my experiences out there to see if any of you have had experiences that were similar, or may even have a few answers. Without further ado, I suppose I should start. When I was young, I lived with my family, my parents, and an older sister, 
in a trailer home on a plot of land behind my grandparents' house, which was, no kidding, a large two-story pink house, in Texas, Galveston County to be more exact. Behind my parents' and grandparents' property was a family with their own business there, which was a large U-Haul rental place. The family that lived there was a wife, two daughters, and a husband. Now, I won't be naming any names except one, the husband. There was a man named Timothy Gribble. Now, Timmy here was a convicted murderer. He strangled and raped two women. He was given the death penalty and executed back in 2000. I lived in the trailer up until I was in fourth grade and then ended up moving to the pink house to house-sit it since my grandparents moved to a new home for retired folks. Now, I am mainly just trying to at least place a setting Perhaps it will help bring some understanding as to what I experienced over the years on these properties. Even when I was a kid and moved into the pink house, or even visiting, I always felt off being there. Nothing really happened, though, until I was in 6th or 7th grade. First, it was a weird thing with the front door. It would just open on its own. At first, it would just open slowly and stay open. Easily explainable, right? The door unlocked, it's an old house, a town sitting on a fault line, so the foundation wasn't exactly the best. That never really weirded me out. No, what was weird was one night around 8 or 9 p.m., I was just watching TV in the living room, and the door just opened and closed itself quickly, twice. It didn't creep me out right away because I figured, oh, it's just my cousin. He said he was coming by to pick up an inhaler from my mother. They both had asthma. He was known to be a little jokester towards me, so whatever, I will just see if it was him. I looked outside and my driveway was empty. I asked my mother if he had just come in and she said no. So I put it out of my mind and moved on. Fast forward further down the road, I laid down for bed and I start hearing a faint noise, like a hand faintly pounding on the wall or on the floor. From there on, I would hear this every night. I disregarded it since no one else could hear it and said I was just imagining it. It bothered me for a while and then I just accepted that it wouldn't go away and I will just once again move on. I figured if there is something, it's just doing its thing, and as long as it left me alone, I would leave it alone. Then, the night I actually saw something, I couldn't explain, and to this day, my family swears I just imagined it. It was around 3am. I was in the living room playing a video game on the TV. I want to say this was around when the N64 was around, because I kept remembering the game Killer Instinct Gold from that night. So I go to the kitchen to get a drink, and I look across the room, and there was a figure standing there, and I froze. My dining room slash kitchen is a bit large. I was standing at the entrance next to the staircase, looking across the dining room past the bar into the kitchen, and the figure was a woman. She was a slim build, wearing a long nightgown, and, well, she had no head. Now, there wasn't a bloody stump where the neck was, just there was no head. And as I said, I froze. I wasn't truly scared. I was just unsure of how to react and I just was not processing what I was seeing. I turned around and went back into the living room and just sat down completely confused. I kept thinking about it and pondering, did I really see this? Was that real? So I got up and went back in there and she was still there. She never moved. She was just standing there. 
and went back in and out several times and she did not leave. I finally said, okay, you stay there. I don't care what you do and I'm going to my room and going to sleep. No response, not even a wave or anything. So I went to bed. I laid there all night until 6 a.m. terrified, wondering if she would come up the stairs into my room. Thankfully, that was the last time I saw her, but there were other experiences that happened in that house and even at my old trailer home. A couple of weeks after that, we were doing some remodeling work on my room, so I wound up having to sleep a few nights in my parents' room on the floor. As was every night, the faint pounding noise continued. Again, I would ignore it and just sleep. But that night, the noise grew a little louder each time. It still stayed faint, but it just grew slightly louder. I would ask my parents, did you hear that? And they would say, no, of course they didn't. As it continued, it finally just stopped for a little while. It was oddly quiet. I figured, okay, finally, I guess it got itself tired. After about 10 or 15 minutes, something slammed into my parents' closed door to the room, hard. It sounded like someone just ran headfirst into it, and trust me, it was loud. I sat up and said, okay, I know damn well I was not the only one who heard that. My parents agreed. My father and I checked the whole house, even our attic, which is not a place you really want to go into since the place was so old. Nothing. No one was there but us. The noise went back to its faint self that night after that. To this day, I think about this all the time. I've had other things happen, but these two events stick out to me all the time, and I don't know what to think about them. I don't know if this woman in the kitchen was a victim of that gribble guy or someone else. I just don't know. Hell, I wish I actually had some evidence to even prove it all happened. Either way, it happened. Wow, what a journey. I'm not 100% sure on how to help with that, but I was told by a um, clairvoyant who said that I will experience activity in my life too and to help prevent that from happening or to kind of dilute it in some way was to burn sage, palo santo, and sweetgrass to kind of just allow, you know, positive energy to come into the home. So that would be my recommendation to you. So my clairvoyant friend, her name is Rachel Hilliard. She actually hosts her own podcast called Through the Darkness Comes Light, and she just shares her experiences um, and her life with the metaphysical. So if you're interested, I will link her show in the show notes below. Um, I had an opportunity to get a reading from her and she is truly amazing and gifted. And I recommend seeking her out if you're looking for a little bit more of an answer to what's going on. Now, the next submission comes from Gina Cordova, whose odd experience in the middle of BF nowhere is something that will have me second guessing taking a trip out to the country. somewhat small town with not much to occupy you usually ends in consequences, but usually not the paranormal kind. I was 16 years old enjoying an autumn night with my sister, best friend Kim, and her young cousin Jorvik. We had just walked around Walmart and bought snacks and were looking for something to do. Kim mentioned wanting to drive down Riverdale Road. 
Riverdale Road has a long history of superstition around it. It has been called the Gates of Hell by locals. It is a dark 11-mile stretch of road with a few old farmhouses that line the dirt road. It has been said that demons are there, black magic, and that is something you don't want to mess with. Of course, though, being young and curious of the paranormal, it didn't stop teenagers driving down the road without their headlights on to see what they could find in the dark. When Kim mentioned it, I felt a bit of fear in my stomach, but also a sense of excitement. I wanted to know why everyone was so afraid of this road. I grew up in a Hispanic Catholic family that always threatened to never mess with spirits, or I would risk my soul's integrity. I was never a huge believer or denier, so the curiosity won, and we decided to head to the dark road. There were barely any cars out, so it was quiet outside. All I could hear was the hum of the streetlights. We turned onto the dirt path and on the road. Pitch black encased us. The trees casted shadows like teeth around us. We joked around and kept driving, hoping to witness whatever horrors resided. By the time we reached the end of the road, nothing was seen and nothing had happened. We were disappointed, to say the least, and just assumed that the town was full of it. Nothing had happened, the adrenaline had worn off, even though it was around 3 a.m., we decided to visit a friend in the local townhomes. We called him on his cell phone to have him come outside and hang out, but he said he was too tired and didn't want to get caught by his parents. So, disappointed, we decided to call it a night. We started to drive the car out of the neighborhood. As we made a left out into the main road, the streetlights buzzed and flickered. I looked to the sidewalk and saw a man, possibly out for a walk with his dog. Except something was very wrong with this man. He was on his knees, screaming. His mouth was so widely open that it didn't seem anatomically possible. It looked like he was in so much pain. I didn't see wounds or blood to indicate injury and the fog disappeared from my vision. It was just a man screaming. I told the others to look. Was I seeing things? Who in their right mind would be outside so late screaming? We all screamed, freaked out, gunning it out of there. And the street went black. All the streetlights went out. I don't know what happened that night. I sometimes question if it did actually happen or if my brain was expecting something and it just showed me a nightmare deep inside of me. After researching Riverdale Road, it is said that a jogger who died during a hit and run haunts that road. I no longer look for paranormal experiences of my own. I refuse to drive down that road at night. The gates of hell isn't something that should be messed with. Woo, that gave me literal chills. I'm the same way, you know, I love being scared, I've said it a thousand times on the show. And sure, it makes me paranoid after, but I've never had anything quite that scary happen to me. I'm very glad that that hasn't happened to me, I'm not asking for it in case any spirits are listening. But I'm glad you made the choice to stay away. It sounds like you're susceptible to seeing things that others may not, so I definitely would not take that chance again. Bumpkin Witch is a practicing witch who submitted her story on October 16, 2018. Thankfully, she's a responsible Ouija board user who is much braver than I could ever be.
So I'm a witch, and I specialize in divination and spirit work. My friend, let's call him Poe, is definitely a warlock in denial. Recently, an oddities flea market came through town, but I had D&D that day, but Poe went, so I PayPal'd him some money and told him to surprise me with whatever he picked. He knows what areas of witchcraft I'm really into, and I trust his judgment since he's gotten me cool stuff before. There was an antique shop there at the flea market, and he got me this amazing antique Parker Ouija board from the 1970s. I know, a 70s antique? It's hard to believe that was almost 50 years ago now. And it's in really good condition. Even before I brought it home, I sensed a spirit was on it. But when I got it home, the energy changed. Initially, it felt scary, but when I got it into the house, it felt nice. I lit a candle, placed my hand on the board, and let the feeling spread through my hand. I spread my tarot cards on the table and hovered my hand over the cards until I felt that same feeling. It was the Ace of Pentacles, upright. The spirit seemed okay, but in case it was playing tricks, I decided to wait it out a little. If it was a nice spirit, I wanted to make it a spirit vessel and transfer it to a new home, then cleanse the board. If it was a mean spirit, I was just going to cleanse the board and be rid of it. Flash forward to last Friday, I had some friends over for a spooky movie. Poe, Vaughn, Topher, and my boyfriend. I had teased Poe over a month ago about using my pendulum board during the spooky movie marathon, and after seeing his reaction during the movie, I knew we had to use a Ouija board. I'm no fool, I know how to use a Ouija board properly. I went full flight attendant and prepped everyone, told them what to expect and when to say goodbye so the spirits can't escape the board. However, I hadn't cleansed the board yet. I was still feeling out the spirit inside. I asked if we were talking to a friendly spirit. In? Oh. I immediately ended the session. A light flashed in the distance. Did you see that? Am I seeing things? That was Vaughn. No, I saw that, Topher answered. A loud boom of thunder. Funny thing about living in the desert is we never get rain, let alone thunderstorms. Everyone's faces went completely white. We placed the planchette back on G. I said firmly that we wanted to talk to another spirit. I wanted to talk to the one in the board. I asked if it was friendly. Y-E-A. In the background, my chihuahua is running around and barking wildly. We ask its name. B-O-B-Z. The planchette is moving around without me asking questions now. Another flash of lightning and crash of thunder, louder than before. My dog is now freaking out even more. We ask if there's something keeping the spirit from communicating clearly since it's giving us nonsensical letters. D-O-G. Do you dislike the dog? N-O. We thank the spirit and close the session. My guess is that there might be two spirits in the board, one nice and one not so nice. Either that or this one is really good at being tricky. The thunder stopped after we ended our session. Listen, I trust your judgment on this, but just don't invite me for a scary movie night until that board is clean. 
Now, one of my very favorite Twitter friends and author, Augie Peterson, has submitted their story. So it is a complete honor to read this on their behalf. Hey Lainey, I'm such a huge fan of this show. I might die if this makes it on. Thanks for making an amazing show. Keep up the great work. Amid stories of haunted dolls and ghosts, this hardly compares, but it happened in a house I now believe was haunted. After learning more about haunted houses as I got older, I think this would likely have gotten worse had I lived there much longer. Along with this experience, I constantly felt like I was being watched as I slept and at one point I heard a loud inexplicable crashing noise that no one else heard. It was later revealed that this is a sign of demonic oppression and mixed with what I'm about to tell you, I think it was right on the nose. This happened when I was in high school, sometime around sophomore or junior year. I had moved into one of those twin houses that are split in two so it's basically two half-house apartments. The most important thing for you to know is that my room was a converted attic. It was a huge room and was so old it had a patched over fireplace in it. It was really cool to be a high schooler with such a large room, but it was also the highest place in the house and I was essentially on an entire level by myself. The shape of my room was pretty basic. It was essentially a large rectangle with a small square nook in the upper left corner if you were looking down on it from the ceiling. The thing happened when my back was turned to the rest of the room. In the center of the room on the ceiling, I had a dome-shaped lamp. It was a dome of glass over a light bulb fixture attached to the ceiling and just happened to be directly over my bed. So one day, I was chilling in my attic room watching something on Hulu when suddenly I see a tiny spider crawling across my desk. Now, this tiny spider raised a red flag because I hate spiders. So I squished it, like you do, and went back to my show. But then I saw another one. It was the same size and crawling around in the same area. I squished that one as well and looked up from my computer to see dozens of tiny spiders crawling down my wall and over to my desk. They were falling from the sloped attic ceiling onto tiny strands of baby web. Naturally, I panicked. I turned around and searched the walls of my room for more spiders when suddenly I saw it. Flooding out from under my ceiling light was a legion of baby spiders. Naturally, I panicked and I didn't sleep in my bed that night or the rest of that night, but that's not even the worst part. I went to school the next day and told my boyfriend, who is now my husband and has saved me from many a spider since then, about all of it. I asked him to come over and destroy what was surely an entire nest of spiders and possibly some spider parents as well. That night, he came over to look for the nest that I was sure was under the glass dome of my light. He unscrewed it. I cowered in the corner, but there was nothing there. No webs, no sack of hatched eggs, no dead baby spiders in the glass dome. Nothing. Now, I don't know that much about spiders, but I feel like if that many spiders had escaped from my light, that there would be some kind of evidence that they were there. So, that's my story. Okay, wow. It sounds like whatever that was preyed on your fear, and you handled it like a champ. I would have probably screamed for my brothers to come out and burn the entire attic down. 
Now I have a feeling that would have made the demon more angry, so probably not the best idea. But thanks for sharing your story, Anki, and please don't die because your story made it on. The world needs your work, so if you're interested in following Anki on Twitter, her handle is at AggiePWrites, and the link will be in the show notes. Komarov ends the show by sharing their experience at one of the most famous haunted sites in the United States, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Here is an encounter of the paranormal. Again, I promise you on my life this is a true story, because my friends know me as a brutally honest guy. A couple friends of mine and myself decided to go to the notoriously haunted Waverly Hills Sanatorium about a year and a half ago. I am a paranormal enthusiast and I love going ghost hunting. We didn't bring a camera or even a recorder because we just wanted to experience the sanatorium for what it really was and not as a tourist attraction. Anyway, my friends and I were walking through the sanatorium level by level. We were told a nurse died on the fourth floor and some people say they have seen her apparition. While we were on the first level, we didn't really get anything, although we heard some loud banging sounds, but they were coming from above us on the second level. We knew for certain we were the only ones there at the time, and we still couldn't explain the noise. We decided to stay as a group since two of my friends are complete scaredy cats. Literally, even an amusement haunted house scares the hell out of them. Anyway, we go to the second level, and as soon as we got up there, we heard the banging again at the other end of the hall. As we go to check it out, it continues, and then the banging stops abruptly. We checked some of the rooms, most of them were empty, but some had gurneys. As we reach the end of the hall, we enter a room with two gurneys, a chair, and a bedside table, the one with wheels that is used to assist patients in eating. It was flipped over, along with the chair, which could have been the source of the banging, but the room didn't look like anyone had entered or had even been in the room to begin with. We then decided to go to the third floor, but had no activity. But it wasn't until we reached the fourth floor that we ended up getting some crazy activity. The first thing we heard was an audible crying sound from what possibly could have been a small girl. As we traveled the hall, we checked the rooms and no sign of people or ghosts. About halfway down the hallway, we heard this shrilling scream, but it wasn't a scream out of pain. It was one out of pure horror. At least, that's how I can describe it because there is really no other way to describe it. The creepy thing is, it didn't come from one direction. It sounded like it was coming from everywhere, around, above, and below. My friend Justin and I looked at each other. We both loved this stuff, so we were more intrigued than scared. But my other friend Ryan said he wanted to leave. But I assured him everything was fine and nothing was going to happen. I was wrong to say that because coincidentally... After I said that, Kevin, the fourth in the group, said he heard someone telling us to leave now. I didn't take this as true because the rest of us didn't hear anything. It wasn't until a few minutes later that we decided to bolt out of there after hearing a male low voice, a little above a whisper that sounded utterly terrifying because he sounded like he was threatening us, but all he said was, but he said it menacingly, like he wanted us to run so that he or it could chase us for fun. 
It was at this point we noped the hell out of there, and we haven't been back since, but I hope to go back with equipment and see what I can capture. Hopefully, I will do this soon and upload my findings to you. Okay, selfishly, I do hope you go back, even if it's for my own selfish reasons. Now, I remember the MTV show called Fear, and I envision you going there in full recording gear, just documenting your experience and sharing it with me. AKA, please do it. Go and share it with me. Now, let us know if you do find your way back there, and if you're able to find your way out. Okay, well that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted or at hauntedpod.com and on Instagram, it's haunted. What now? Audio engineering is provided by Chess Gray, who manages Chess Gray Music. The official composer for the show is We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>